0: Good morning. How are you guys? Hey, honestly, it's it's hard not to be doing good after spending time with Jesus. Would you guys agree with that? You know, something I said during the transition rings true for me in this moment, which is like when we spend time in the presence, we receive proper perspective. You know, life starts to make sense as we spend time with God. Is anybody else having that experience here this morning? Is that, you know, that's why I love church. Come to church, get a renewed perspective. You know, our worship with other believers, people pursuing after Jesus, and get a renewed perspective. So I'm I'm glad we could receive that together today. How about you? Yeah, 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 that's good. How about you guys? This side. Yeah. 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 I'm happy to receive that. Man, so as we get started today, I just want to ask you to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to read to you guys a few stories actually today from Matthew chapter 3. Actually, one story and then Matthew 4, excuse me. But I want to, uh, I really want to highlight a moment before the ministry of Jesus how many of you guys know that before any significant ministry can happen a significant moment takes place between you and God Before you're going to have a substantial ministry you're really going to have to have a substantial moment. You know for me I look at that like this and I say this all the time to people as they talk to me about ministry. I say it's always brokenness unto breakthrough. Yes. It's always brokenness unto breakthrough. I find that a lot of people want to carry a breaker anointing. You know, where they break through walls, and they break through chains, and they break through challenges and obstacles. But very few people are willing to be broken. But to the extent that you are willing to be broken on behalf of the people God's called you to serve is to the extent that you're going to have breakthrough with the people that God's called you to serve. I feel like this is already better than I'm saying, than you guys are saying, Amen, I don't know. I, I've already started preaching so okay, all right. But you guys with me, right? Like it's always brokenness unto breakthrough. And what we're recognizing here in this story that we're reading about Jesus is that Jesus is having a moment before his ministry. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't raised the dead yet. He hasn't preached the Sermon on the Mount yet. He hasn't worked any miracles. He hasn't called any disciples. Jesus is just, you know, he's a new guy. On the scene, he's a little bit mystical. He's a prophet from Galilee, but nobody really knows that yet. And he has sought out his cousin, John the Baptist, who is preaching in a camel hair tuxedo in the wilderness, living off of a steady diet of locust and wild honey. So he finds himself in a weird circumstance being anointed in a moment for a ministry of greatness. You may find yourself right now in a wilderness, but it could be your moment preparing you for your ministry. You may find yourself this morning in a very strange circumstance where you feel like you're surrounded by weird people, as strange as John wearing camel hair and a leather belt as an outfit. You may find yourself today surrounded by some strange people, but this could be your moment preparing you for your ministry. You may find yourself on the outskirts of the city, rejected, neglected. Nobody recognizes your great anointing or the things that you've done behind the scenes so far, but you could be on your way to a moment that's just preparing you for your ministry. So that's what we see happening right here in the storyline of Jesus. Jesus is now pursuing his cousin, John, and God is about to provide him with a significant moment. Before he releases his significant ministry. That's the ministry of a Savior. And uh, this moment I find to be very deep, it has great depth about it. And uh, what happens in this moment, we'll read this, but is that Jesus receives a sense of self worth. Where does your self-worth come from? What is your personal value built upon? I want to ask you right from the start. Is it built on a moment with God, a relationship with the Father, a connection to heaven, or is it built upon something else? Something not quite as sturdy. Something not quite as strong. Something that's here today and gone tomorrow. Where do you get your value? Where do you receive your self-worth from? That's what I want to talk about today. And in chapter 3, verse 13, we're going to read about the baptism of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Now, what I want you to understand right away, we'll, we're going to read through this entire thing. But what I want you to understand right away is that Jesus has his first moment with his cousin, John the Baptist. You, you don't notice it at first. You just kind of read through it because it's, it's sort of formalities, right? Sort of formalities, right? I mean, Jesus is going out to be baptized and his cousin, John the Baptist, who is an anointed prophet, anointed by God. He initially resists the moment. Right? He initially resists the moment. He says, hey, (laughs) no way, bro. Like, I need to be baptized by you. Like John had built his ministry on the prophetic word that there was one coming greater than he, that he was not worthy to untie his sandals. One that would not just baptize with water, but would baptize with the spirit and with fire, right? And so he recognizes right away, dude, you, I'm not worthy to put you in the water. You're the savior of the world. You're the one worthy to baptize me with God's spirit and with fire, right? And so in resisting, officiating the baptism of the Messiah, he actually acknowledges Jesus's self-worth. He acknowledges Jesus's value from the father's perspective. He said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. I'm not greater than you are. You are the savior, man. You are the Messiah, right? So you recognize this. Jesus is having a moment here. Right? This is his family. This is his cousin. He came up with him, right? It's his friend. But it's also an anointed prophet. He's been anointed by God. Jesus even says, "Man, there's no greater prophet in the Old Testament, right? There's no greater prophet than John the Baptist." You guys remember that? Yeah. So he's having this moment here, and then they continue on, and Jesus says, hey, let it be so now, thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, everybody say behold. Behold. See, he's getting ready to have another moment. Behold. what's, what's, What's happening now? See, we see that man anointed men, prophets, friends, family members. We see that man is acknowledging the worth of Jesus. We see that man is acknowledging the value that Jesus has. But now we're about to see something else, which is the value that heaven has. The very throne of God. What heaven has to say about the worth of Jesus Christ. So he stops us, right? The writer was so good in giving us this pause. Behold, something is about to happen. There's about to be another moment. And at first reading, we kind of skip over this part, but it says that the heavens were opened to him. That all of heaven opened up to proclaim the worth of the Savior. That... All of the angelic host of heaven, all of the created beings that occupy God's throne begin to peer over and onto the earth and look out at the Messiah standing there in this water in the wilderness with this strange man about to be baptized. And all of heaven is providing our Savior with a moment that proclaims. His value, his worth. They're saying, Oh, you're wondering how worthy the Lamb is. Look how all of heaven stands at attention, longing to look into a righteous moment. Come on. So, first, you know, we have uh, John the Baptist saying, Hey, hey, value, worth, worth worth, valuable, worthy, worthy, right? And then now you have all of heaven erupting in a spontaneous worship set, right? Waiting on this moment. How long had heaven been waiting to open up to Jesus in this moment? They were counting down the clock, right? Right? Watching Jesus be raised up. Watching Jesus occupy his father's house at 12 when his parents couldn't find him. Watching Jesus, you know, build tables or fashion stones, you know. Watching Jesus go through the mundanity of life. I I like it. It works, right? And they say, this is the time. This is the time. This is the moment when we recognize and acknowledge all of us together in concert, the worthiness of Jesus Christ. The heavens are opened and he saw the spirit of God. Now, just in case you were wondering if we were talking about an imaginary, intangible realm called heaven open up before the Messiah, we now see that Jesus actually visibly recognizes that the Holy Spirit Himself is descending from these open gates to land upon Him and to proclaim something in this moment it's not just what man has proclaimed he's worthy it's not what just heaven has opened up and proclaimed that he's worthy but now the Holy Spirit right is now resting and abiding upon the only one that had the grace to host him eternally which is the very son of God Jesus Christ and he proclaims he is is worthy, right? Jesus is having this moment of recognizing his self-worth and it's coming at him from all angles. Heaven and earth are proclaiming Jesus' worth in a wilderness. Worth in the wilderness. Spirit of God descends like a dove, and it comes down and it rests on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, now, behold, you see that word there again? Because see, Jesus is about to have another layer, right, of his, I mean, it's a four-layer cake here. (laughs) Right? Jesus is having another moment. Some of y'all were thinking about cake. It's like, woo, yeah, wow, I I like that. Same's. And Jesus is about to have another moment. And, and honestly, since we're talking about cake, this is the icing, right, on the cake here, guys. Because what we see now is like we've seen the Spirit, right? We've acknowledged the reality that heaven has been opened up, and Jesus has heard a word from man. But now he is about to hear a word from truth, capital T, the person of truth, God the Father. God the Father is about to roar over his life and proclaim worth and install it into his DNA. Like no one else can, like nothing else can, like no other encounter can, like no other message or prophetic word can, but that God the Father personally says over Jesus, let's read it together, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Wow, right? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father says, man, I am so pleased with you. Well, what has Jesus done so far? What has Jesus done? Jesus hasn't done anything yet. I mean, I'm sure he's fashioned like some really good tables, you know, like he's. He's possibly created some cool sculpture. You know, he's had a few moments, a few interactions in the temple. I'm sure he's been a a good kid to Mary and Joseph. But what has Jesus really done that would be deserving of such heavenly attention? What has Jesus really done that would be deserving of this type of an eruption of value and worth installed into him? Jesus has not healed the sick. He has not raised the dead. He has not cleansed the leper. He has not preached the good news to the poor. He has not done anything spectacular by any standard whatsoever, be it religious or culture. Jesus is simply a dude in the wilderness. And yet, despite not having done anything yet, in light of anything that Jesus will ever do, the Father still proclaims over him, in you, I am well pleased. Now, I want to talk to you about your self-worth. Your value. Your self-worth. Worth. This is a conversation worth having. We have seen this week major influencers, celebrities take their own life as a result of not understanding their self-worth, their intrinsic value as a human being that has been fashioned in the image of God. Where does your self-worth come from? Because true self-worth, Worth comes independently of anything that you've ever done or anything that you'll ever do. True self worth is not connected to anything you've ever done or anything that you'll ever do. The value that you have as a child of the living God is not connected to anything you've ever done bad in your past. It's not connected to anything you've ever done good in your past. It's not connected to anything you've ever done spectacular or what man praised you for. It's disconnected from anything that you'll ever do that is great. Your dreams list, accomplishing all of those things, your self-worth, if you do nothing, still stands true in accordance to what the Father has proclaimed over you Like he proclaimed over Jesus, I am well pleased with you. It's important that you understand this because if the enemy has it his way, he will preach a different message. Which is this, that false, everybody say false. False. Self-worth comes from what I do right? It comes from what I've done. It comes from what I will do. It comes from what I hopefully uh, am able to accomplish. It comes from the things that I did great that I put on my resume that make it into my news feed. It comes from the things that I've not done well in private that I don't tell anybody about but how it affects my internal reality and personal value system. That's what the enemy wants you to believe and accept as your reality. He would hope to enslave you to a truth that says that your value is completely determined by what you've done or what you will do. But see, God has already revealed to you your heavenly value. God has already spoken over you that he's well pleased with you. God has already revealed what your worth really is. So the enemy's tactic is to get you to enslave yourself to working a job for value that you already have. Come on. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but here's what he cannot kill, here's what he cannot steal, and here's what he cannot destroy. Your value. So he has to work in a much more deceptive way. He has to get you... All by yourself, he has to get you isolated, he has to get you walking away from the crowd long enough to push you out into a place, into a wilderness, to get you to reevaluate what God really said about your worth. The enemy, Satan, is not a creator, he is an imitator. He cannot invent any new sins. He can only continue to do what he's always done throughout all of human history, which is to try and get you to doubt the reality of God's truth over your life. It's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, did God really say, because this is what God said about Adam. This is what God said about Eve. And he said, hey, did God really say, are you really that special in the eyes of God? Are you really that worthy? Do you really understand your value? Did God really? really say that? The enemy cannot remove your value. He cannot remove your worth. And so he works so hard to deceive you about what God has really said and he tempts us to work really hard for value which we've already received. Or to at least try to get us to apologize for what we've already received for free. But How many of you guys know who you are? You are a son. You are a daughter of the most high living God. And he is well pleased with you despite what you did last year good or bad, despite what you will do next year, good or bad, that the truth that reigns supreme over the fashioning of your spirit is that you are a child of God, that at his good pleasure, he fashioned you and formed you in His, in your mother's womb so that you could come forth to have relationship with him, not so that he could enslave you to a job to prove your value to heaven and the earth. If you had to work for your value in God's eyes, heaven would not be a paradise. It would be a slave shop. A sweatshop. Right? You'd have to work your butt off, right? Right? But, you know, honestly, the tactic doesn't stop with Adam and Eve. The tactic doesn't stop all throughout the Old Testament. The tactic uh, is not disconnected from our current reality. The tactic was used. Satan used the exact same tactic whenever he tempted Jesus in the wilderness just a few verses later. Jesus is following the Holy Spirit and the enemy attacks him. Right? Hey, hey, look. Here's... Let me give you a a PSA, right? If you're going to follow God closely, I promise you that the enemy will do everything in his power to try to thwart that connection, get you off by yourself, and cause you to doubt your worth, your value, and ask you the question, did God really say this? It's, It's not that God was leading Jesus into harm's way. Jesus was simply following Jesus, and the results of following God closely is that all of hell cannot stand you. Because hell cannot have you understanding your value. Hell needs you to work for value so that he can distract you from your real purpose and get you to labor for things that are not bread. Right? So what happens? Uh, We have uh, chapter 4 here. Jesus is obviously fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and he, he became hungry. And one of the times I find that the enemy is pretty faithful to test my value is when I'm fasting right? When I'm, when I'm hungry. Did God really say that? Is God really going to come through for you? Is God really going to move on this sacrifice that he has chosen? When, I, when I'm lonely, right? When I'm lonely. I'm by myself when I'm in the wilderness. Is God really going to come through for you? Is God really going to do what he said he was going to do? Is God really going to uphold his word? Or do you not have as much value as you were told in church? Maybe heaven doesn't care about you as much as you confess or you talk about or you tweet. Maybe it's not really true. Or when I'm tired. When I'm tired. See, when you're tired, you are attacked by ideas you conquered long ago. And the enemy said, oh, you tired. Yep. Come on. Oh, wow. it's so, true. so this is a great time. <laughs> yeah. Right? You see those Snickers commercials? They turn into people when they need a Snickers. <laughs> Some of you guys are on the verge of hangry right now. Don't doubt what God has spoken. <laughs> All right? So Jesus man he's he's walking through the wilderness man it's been 40 days. It's been 40 nights. This man hasn't eaten. Doesn't even say he drank water. All right, this is supernatural. You know, Jesus has just had a moment, and that moment has now pushed him into his ministry. See, Jesus is on his way to preaching the gospel. Jesus is about to come out of this wilderness and start to preach the gospel. He is about to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus understands his worth. Jesus understands his value, which is why he can say the kingdom of heaven is here now without any arrogance, because he knows because he's here, the kingdom is now here. Because he understands his worth, he doesn't allow man to defend it for him because he understands his value from heaven's perspective. It doesn't matter who believes in him. He's still able to faithfully fulfill the assignment of God over his life by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand. And then after he preaches, he doesn't just give a presentation, but he moves onward to a demonstration of the heart and the power of God, the father that said, you are my son. By healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing the leper and stopping long enough to preach for the people who can't afford to tithe. Because the poor have the gospel preached to them. And this is part of the good news. Because who stops for people who can't give big honorariums? (laughs) <laughs> but it doesn't stop Satan from thinking that maybe after this moment I can disconnect Jesus from his ministry see a lot of us we've had moments but we don't have ministry yet and we, 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 we've not moved from that place of receiving give me a word Give me the encounter. Give me the experience. Have a good time. Be spiritually entertained. The glory, goosebumps. Another prophetic word. Another conference. You know what I'm saying? And so we wander the wilderness, and him, he's like, what, "Did did 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 he really say? I, I better go back to. I hope I can get a moment." But Jesus, see, he pushed through, he pushed through the wilderness and he stepped into his ministry and he started to give away value. He started to designate value. He started to release worth because he understood his value and he understood his worth. But until you understand that, you actually can't step into your ministry. This is a precursor to actually giving away the kingdom. And so we wander the wilderness like Israel a little bit longer than God intended because we're not understanding what God said in the first place, which is how valuable that we are. And what you have to release, what you are really carrying. See, if you updated yourself on how valuable you actually were, then the goals that you set for yourself at the beginning of the year might be accomplished in the next three days. If you really updated yourself on how valuable that you actually were, you wouldn't waste your time with people who constantly bring you down, so into negative self-esteem, try and hold you back, cut you apart with their words every time you hang out with them, and you come up because you've had a moment, and they, like Satan, say, but get dog, really say. Right? Get behind me, Satan. Right? Right? Here, and and, then, and so, so the enemy comes up and he says, hey, hey, he says, um, see, if you're the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become loaves of bread, right? Time for you to eat. Time for you to eat. You know how many people have been distracted from their purpose because it's time for me to eat, man. I'm about to work, I'm about to hustle, I'm about to grind to shine. I gotta get some money, man. <laughs> hey, hey, um, What about, what about your purpose? I'll get, I'll I'll get back to that. I got to eat. I've been hungry longer. I've been, I've been hanging out in this church. I've been doing ministry school too long. I've been serving God too long. I've been doing too many devos. I've been doing too many prayer sets. I've been doing this too long. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. God obviously doesn't see that I'm hung. I'm good. I'm good. I got to hustle. I'm tired of these stones out here in this wood. I gotta get some bread. See, see, the enemy's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Just time out. Just take a break from your purpose. It's okay. This little, this little short-term decision will not have long-term effects. But see, that's what happens. A short-term decision can have long-term effects because if I'm, you know, if I'm an archer, I might move where I aim a millimeter, but I will not hit the target. And people make decisions all the time, saying, just for a month. Just for two months, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take some time away from my purpose. Just for a month, cause I gotta get some bread. I gotta give me some bread sticks. I stay hungry. I'm always on the grind. I stay hungry. Team no sleep. Hashtag no days off. Right? But then on the inside, they're 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 just as hungry as they've ever been. They might have a little bling bling, you know, might put on a new suit or have a new car. But on the inside, they're hungrier now than they were when they were walking the wilderness. Right? I need some bread. I need some bread. (laughs) Get that money, man. Who, who, Who makes the most... Money in the house is' called the you see the, you see the enemy the enemy's like hey man listen you, you need some bread right you need some bread so let's just let's just pause let's just take a time out because the, the did God did God really say because because here's the thing here's the thing uh, your value your worth comes from how much money you make you, you guys with me because that's one of the easiest temptations to buy into is to tie your self-worth to your net worth. I don't, I don't know how this is going over. Because I tell you, you guys are like, yay, yeah. But I don't know if like you're, real, or, like you're hearing me, but I don't know if you're listening. Right? Like your self-worth is not tied to your net worth. Right? Jesus died for you. Like, like he died for the billionaire. Like he died for the impoverished. Yeah? Your self-worth is not tied to your net worth. But anytime we tie our self-worth to our net worth and we give ourselves to simply living our life for the purpose of feeding ourselves with bread, we step right into the enemy's plan Of believing the lie that that is what determines our value. When in fact, we've already received our value. We receive that value in the moment, lest you forget Satan. Because man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, I don't need Benjamin Franklin to tell me who I am. I got Yahweh who's already told me who I am. We we, we can all laugh because we know it's true. And if I have a regret in regards to this temptation of Jesus, it is the fact that I have not spoken up more often to my friends when they go down this road. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, then go ahead and throw yourself down. And see, here's the thing. If the enemy couldn't get you with, did God really say, he'll use scripture. Right? He'll use scripture. Because he wants to put some religious makeup on it. So then that way, you will be more easily convinced. Because see, the enemy is not afraid of a word you don't believe. And so he can use scripture that you don't understand to try to come against. And experience you do understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, but 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 right here it says he'll command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. See, the enemy's saying, Hey, that security you think you have with God, do you really have it? That security, that trust that you think you have in your relationship, do you really have it? Do you really have the security? that you think you have? Do you really have the safety that you think you have in your relationship with the Father? Or is all of that a big figment of your imagination? The enemy will come against our connection to God and try to convince us that God's not connected with us at all, that we're just connected to a religious practice that builds our value because we're a part of church but that's not what the father was doing at all he said hey apart from church apart from community apart from denomination apart from the building that you go to you have value even if your attendance is flawless or it's it's pretty terrible like you have value <laughs> some of you guys need to hear that cuz some of you guys ain't been coming to church <laughs> and the truth is you're still valuable anyway but your pastor says get your butt in church (laughs) is this helpful alright last point some of you guys got I didn't mean to step on your toes I was it's good hey it says in the bible that you discipline the ones that you love If I didn't love you, I wouldn't say anything. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. on. Verse 7. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you. Somebody say power you will fall down and worship me. See now today we're pretty well educated on this passage of scripture. So we don't fall for the temptation of power. In fact, our generation is a little skeptical of people in positions of power. We're pretty good at criticizing politicians on Facebook. We are skeptical, right? power, I don't know about power so the enemy, see he's observed human behavior long enough to acknowledge what our generation responds to and so he goes away and he repackages power and then presents it as influence he repackages power and then represents it as fame is is it too real? I don't know just you be influential and you'll be famous because you'll have power to control your destiny because that's what's going to bring you worth that's what's going to state your value to the world especially the haters when they see you on Instagram in another nation the third month in a row. Buying an infinity pool. Drinking a daiquiri. While taking a selfie with your perfectly sculpted abs. Chase that, chase that, chase that. <laughs> it's the same temptation, it's just packaged more appropriately for our generation. That, that's what you need, right? That would make you feel powerful, right? That would make you feel important, right? That would add to your value, right? Then you could really prove a point, right? And then that would talk, to, and then you'd feel really good about yourself, right? And then your self-worth, man, it'd be through the roof, I can tell you this, no matter how many selfies you take in foreign countries, buy an infinity pool, sipping a daiquiri with your perfectly sculpted abs, I can guarantee you this, you will find a new thing to get self-worth from once you tick that one off the box. Because nothing is long lasting in the way that heaven is eternal and the voice of the Father rings true throughout generations. Let every man be a liar by comparison to God who is truth. And he doesn't just speak truth. He is the person of truth. He is truth embodied. He is truth himself. He can't deny himself. What he says is true will always be true, has always been true. And what he says about you is that you have value, that you have worth. The price that Jesus paid on the cross determines the value of the people that he purchased. The price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people that he purchased. And it's not that you were so valuable in your sin, you were valuable in his image. But it's not that your sin is what made you valuable, but that, that the cross itself proclaims your value, that the cross itself communicates your value. That The moment that Jesus had on your behalf 2,000 years ago on the Mount of the Skull proclaims your value ascribes your value creates your value. And so anytime the enemy's like, hey, did God really say, you say, hey, look at the cross. Hey, hey, did God really say that? Look at the cross. Hey, did God really mean what he, look at the cross. Hey, did God really say you, look at the cross. Because this is what God has said about me. And we know before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain this is true, has always been true, and will always be true. It doesn't matter if I'm up, if I'm down, if I'm if I, if I'm, if I I got the bread, or I don't. Paul said, I know how to suffice when I'm rich and when I'm poor. I know how to deal with it. Why? Because I know what my worth is, and my worth is not determined by what I do or I have done. My worth is determined by the moment I have with the Father and what God has said. And He said, He's well pleased with me. And that was before I did anything. He is well pleased with me. That's before I do anything. He is well pleased with me. Why? Not because of what I behave for, but who I belong to. Not because what you behave for do you have value, but who you belong to is why you have value. Not because what you behave for do you have any real value, but because of who you belong to you have value because you're a son because you're a daughter and therefore you have value as you're standing up let me read you one more verse of scripture romans eight twelve says so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to so live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Some of you guys today, you may, maybe you're in a wilderness. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you're hungry. Naturally and fiscally. Fiscally. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're tired. But I want to draw your attention to something, which is the moment that the Father spoke truth over you, the moment that the Holy Spirit fell upon you, the moment that heaven opened before you, the moment that somebody saw what God was doing and said, you're valuable. You're worthy. You you have you have worth. You have value, and if you haven't heard that in a long time, just look at me and let me speak that to you right now. You have worth. You're you're valuable. You you have worth. You are valuable, and it's not just about reflecting on a moment, but it's about receiving a reality this is who God says that we are sons and daughters it's about who we belong to and that determines my value